0: The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. We welcome our online podcasters. The title of this message today is called The True Indwelt Friendships Part 2. Those who are just jumping in on the podcast and have not been able to listen to part one yet, if you go to our website, go over to the online school and uh, click on the Identity Series and drop down to Identity Message 52, part one. That is the first part of this message. So obviously today... We're going to finish up this message, True Indwelt Friendships, through Part 2. Okay, let's get started on the social area of life, True Indwelt Friendships. I had a discussion yesterday with a lady who used to teach computer over at the college, very bright lady, and we had this whole discussion about Facebook and the purpose of Facebook. And why it became literally the largest monster size social network in every country in the entire world. It takes the lead like no other social network. Why would you say that that has happened? Facebook, you can make yourself be anything you want yourself to be. Okay. You can hide, project image. All of your negatives, your flaws, and just put up the uh, single... Best Positive case. image. So okay. You have time to convey what you want to say. Okay. And take out any errors grammatically or whatnot. Okay, the goal is to get someone to click on what? The like button. The like button. Okay, you with me? Then there's another goal to get them to click on being your friend in this whole discussion I was having with this lady I was aware of some of the inner workings of how the software actually works that she wasn't, she hasn't been in that industry for a while but here's how it works, I want you to understand this because those of you who are using this worldwide you need to understand what's happening the like button and the friendship button and the projected imagery that you're putting on your page all work together with a hidden software, hidden program that tags you. The computer industry or the soft world world works off of what we call tagging. The reason why that when you bring up a Google and you have news, you have website, you have video. You have a picture. What they are doing is saying, we're going to reveal to you where these tags are located. And it is a technique used in the computer world to put tags or words connected with these images, whether it's a website image, a picture you post, or even comments that you make. That's the basis of the technology. Now here's the amazing thing that is exactly how friendships work when you want to put yourself out there and present yourself to a person you want them to remember a certain image that you are presenting to them you want them to tag a word in their mind with you as a potential new friend not giving them the core of what you're really struggling with are you with me? So the friendship is based on that image, that projected image that you put out in front of them. Then the level of expectation comes into play, and that is, every time I'm around that person, however they tagged me and decide to click on the friendship button, I need to present that image to them. Now you have what stifles sharing. So now who you really are in respects of what you're struggling with is typically not shared. Now with that illustration or image, I want to show you a few things. We're switching over to our first slide, so those podcast listeners that are with us, uh, just by listening to audio, if you go back to the online school and click on the PDF, you'll see the exact slides that we are viewing right now. So postmodern friendship. Friendship in our postmodern times, what do we mean by postmodern? It's classified as the Emergent Society. Even if you go to a classic American history website, it's not in too many books yet, postmodern, but basically what we do is we divide a country up into different phases of their history. It is the term that's being used today for America, is that we are in the postmodern era. It'll go down in history as a certain era. It'll start being taught in colleges. Many of them are already teaching this phase. But postmodern is a new era we have entered into, and it is basically a description of whatever. It's whatever you want to believe. Very, very critical when it comes to the church. So friendship in our postmodern times is is viewed as some kind of self-love exchange. I love me, and I want you to love me, and I love you. And I want that exchange to take place, that mutual love, self-love for each other, to make an exchange. That's a good thing, isn't it? If true friendship is what the Hebrew says, an exchange of identity, Your identity, adopted by me, comes in me. My identity comes in you. So now we have a war of belief, a crisis of belief. Long gone is the truest definition that is a vessel to entrust the gospel and mission of God. I do get comments, and, and more than I, I would like, but I'm okay with it. I am literally, in Christ Jesus, completely fine with it. In fact, I look forward to it. When someone accuses me of my ministry and mission always being about Christ, my relationships, if they're not about Christ, I don't care about them that much. It might, I want to hear those comments. The only purpose for me to have relationships is to give you the gospel. That's it. Now I can love you in that process and be loved by you in that process, or I can be hated by you, but I'm not going to hate you. You see, and that is what's moving us to this scripture we're going to talk about. I want to be known by the very indwelling life of Jesus Christ as someone who is willing to lay down any relationship any friendship for the sake of giving them the gospel now there happens to be and that's what our next two messages are going to be about there happens to be a lot of pleasure and enjoyment in that mission it's not being cold and aloof and rude there's a mission there's, there's great beauty in true Christ is life relationships Okay. In fact, there's more suffering in this exchange of love style. You have endless stories. I have endless stories of people who have struck out in an exchange of a love relationship, whether it's on the internet or whether it's in your church or whether it is in the the community you live in, and you get burned. They gossip. They dump on you. They go and, and throw your trash around the community or whatever the case may be, and it's dumped. The truest facts are, that was your responsibility. You do not entrust your inner life of Jesus Christ friendship-wise unless it is embraced by the life of Christ in that person. If you do, you're going to get burned. I promise you. And I openly admit myself that my friendships, as few as they are, are for the strict purpose of ministry inheritance. This may sound cold or rude but since I know God's purpose of friendship the opinions of others matters not to me. Someone please tell me what opinion means. Literally from the Hebrew. To reveal the Latin has two words and two definitions in the word. What are they? What's opinion? Opinion is a wing. What was Satan's original job responsibility while in heaven? There's two primary the scripture speaks of. To take his pinions and cover. Opinion. Stay with me on this. Particularly you pastors that are listening to. Get into your Hebrew. Look up. Find the opinion in an English translation. Get the Strong's number and look it up. Because here's what you're going to find. Opinion is pulling back the opinions and revealing your chest. It's what I Marcos and I oftentimes joke about is that gangster look. It's pride. It's your opinion. You're showing the insides of your opinions. That was the absolute worst thing you could have done in heaven is to reveal the face of God. Nobody was to see the face of God before Jesus Christ came to the earth, provided a road of redemption, gathered up his bride, engaged himself to her. He goes unto the Father, gets to see the face of his own Father for the first first being to see the face of the Father. And Satan comes along and goes, No, I will reveal him. And of course he had 42 hours of therapy, right? With God. God told him to go write a book about what he did wrong. He was removed from heaven like a bolt of lightning. Opinionated people are nothing more than revealing self-love. It is arrogance. It's pride. Now keep that filed away in your mind as we move forward with the real true purpose of friendship. Next slide. Here's an illustration of the spiritual man. The spiritual man is someone who actually has received the indwelling life of Jesus Christ. Now you emergent listeners listen to me very, very carefully. I am not speaking of those who follow Christ. That is the Greek definition of Christian. Christ follower. The second definition from the Greek are those who do business with Christ. So I'm not talking about those of you who are selling the gospel. I'm not talking about those who follow Jesus' words. I'm not talking to those people who are following the pure doctrines of Jesus Christ. Who am I talking to, Marcos? Who is this? This is not a Christ follower. The end of all. You see, The old man has been... The old nature has been crucified. It's dead. Contrary to what the NIV says. The NIV uses terminology. It says the old nature is still alive. That's why I'm against the NIV. The old man is dead. Completely dead. And we have been raised up with Christ and seated with him. We now have Christ's nature living inside of us. We have the very indwelling life of Jesus living and housing himself in our spirit. This is our conscious mind and this is our subconscious mind. Now I want to just illustrate this for you. What is today? July twenty-seven, Sunday who can tell me what they had for breakfast July 27 on your 6th birthday is that information inside your mortal brain I can guarantee you it's in there all the rejection you have ever received is inside your brain it is filed away that's why you have to sleep at night it's a filing process When God said, do not let the sun go down on your wrath, it's because that wrath blocks this filing process and keeps the memories alive in your conscious mind. You wake up with the same unresolved stuff that you had when you went to sleep. Therefore, you bear a spirit of unforgiveness. Christ in you wants to use his eternal influence in your conscious mind. So those of you who are actually listening to the message today, that truth coming in can literally transform your mind in Christ Jesus. So this internal influence is not to drag up all these former things or ponder things of the past. Oh no. It's to keep them in their place. Isaiah said, Do not call to mind former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, he's quoting God, Behold, I will do something new. I'll make rivers in the, in the desert and roadways, pathways, in the desert. You see, he doesn't want us calling to mind these things. He wants them to be put to rest. All they are is files inside your mind. Unless they are unresolved, you have bitterness, you have anger, you have unforgiveness in your conscious mind. That's different. But true indwelt friendships work this way. The indwelling life of Christ is in me. That eternal is internal influence all of the subjective stuff, the trash that the old nature left behind is exactly where it's supposed to be. When there's friendships externally, Christ in my friend, Christ in me, bear witness with each other. As the Spirit bears witness with truth coming in is what gives witness to truth you will not have a transformation in your life listeners listen to me very carefully on this you will not have the truth set you free you can hear it preached all day long every day until you die you will not have a change of behavior unless one thing happens The external truth in relationships bears witness with the internal truth that is in you. And when the two of those come together, there's birth of change. When you're taking in crap from someone else's identity that does not bear witness with the spirit of the living God in you, there's not only not going to be any change, you're turning Christ into a lukewarm emergent God. You will not hear the profound, strong truths preached in a church anymore. It's all superficial. It's all topics. It's using the world to come up with topics to try to change someone's mortal behavior. Doesn't work that way. Nobody changes my behavior, not even me, only Christ. So the spirit man is that of Christ. The mind is being renewed. The will is choosing that truth. The emotions is controlled by Christ. And the body is yielded to Christ. You have all these elements doing this. It's called working out your salvation. Bam. It all comes together. The spirit, the soul, the body, friendships. It all comes together. And you will see your life change and grow like you never have before. You won't be eating the gospel like it's stale Cheerios. Tired of the same truths over and over, and they bear forth no fruit. Always studying to know the truth, but denying the power thereof. There's souls in this room right now that are anxious because of the truth is rubbing against something you've already confirmed to be truth. Be anxious. Because the only time you can be anxious for nothing is when the spirit of truth is bearing witness with external truth, internal truth, and that relationship is lined up, and bam, there is change and transformation. Okay, next slide, Christ in you. To your average self-proclaimed and/or indwelt Christian, someone please share with the body the difference between a self-proclaimed and an indwelt Christian. You kids can jump in too. Self-proclaimed Christians are those who you ask if they're Christians and they say yes, but there is no testimonies of them leading people to Christ. That's the first fruit out of an indelible believer. very first fruit is compelled to lead people to Christ in them. Do you understand that? People believe people until they meet Christ. Christ in you is that vessel of drawing them unto you. Paul says, be as I. Why did he say that? Because the people didn't get relationship with Jesus internally. It's on the inside. So the relationship, the purpose of the relationship, please stay with me on this, track with me on this, it's drawing that person to yourself. Friendship. But when it's going in this process, it's purposed relationship. When it comes to the point you introduce them to Christ and they make their own exchange, they are one with you. They are of the same family. They are of the same indwelling life of Jesus Christ. I pray you guys got that. These words sound harsh and offensive, but if you understand true indwelt friendship, you will see the power of the gospel commissioned to us through Jesus' words. A friend is one whom you know you can share all things without the fear of abandonment, a break in loyalty, or running at the first sign of adversity. There is no better friend than than the friend Jesus Christ that lives inside the one who loves you unconditionally the most. So it starts there. I can't get my love life out of Armando. It has to start internally. Therefore, when I reach out to Armando, it is purpose relationship and it's got love in it and it's got acceptance in it and it's got forgiveness in it but it's purposed it's to draw him to Jesus Christ but he can't be my friend until he receives Christ if you live and maintain your eternal perspective with this view misunderstandings will not become insurmountable threats Primarily because the commitment of friendship is invested in Christ in the believer. Therefore, when my wife disappoints me, the relationship is maintained. Because I have to trust Christ in her. She has to trust Christ in me. Because I am not trustworthy. I can guarantee you. So let's face it. People disappoint and fail us daily. No matter who they are at least that is my experience a true and honorable friend is one who one who enriches depends and contributes to your life and there's only one friend that I know that can uh, do that without failure and that is Jesus Christ so putting our hope and our trust in anyone other than Christ is simply idolatry it doesn't matter if this person is your mother your father your brother your sister your mentor or friend if you or i attempt to gain love meaning and purpose from these relationships we are guilty of idolatry and are not worthy of christ those are not my words now i love as you guys know the emails and text messages and this is a good point for you to write down i've got to contact this guy you see i want relationship with our listeners But for one reason and one reason alone is that they discover the truth and the truth will set them free. Who is truth? Jesus. He says, for I am the way, the truth, and the life. You see, there is no other objective in mind than for the two of us in Christ Jesus to discover Him and Him crucified. Paul said, I determined to know nothing. Stay with me on this. Paul said, for I determined to know nothing. Nothing, except what? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I determine as Steve Finney to know nothing but Jesus Christ in and around your life. And if you don't have Him, then that's a problem. It's an eternal problem. I'm not going to sit back and play some kind of an emergent Facebook a game with Armando and watch him go to hell. That's ridiculous. To enjoy a relationship and knowing they're going to hell. And I'm not saying anything. I'm not doing anything. I'm not guiding them and directing them in any given direction. I'm just enjoying them going to hell. What kind of mission is that? I understand what Paul meant when he said, For I determined to know relationship. It's the same word in sexual intimacy as most of you know. I determined to know. I determined not to have intimacy with anyone but Jesus Christ in the fact that he has been crucified. He dealt with my self-love. Finding God's favor. The traditional church has adopted a vain philosophy of becoming friends or partnering with so-called brothers Even if they are immoral, jealous, or have gods before God, gossips, drunkards, or to obtain money or property through fraudulent or deceitful ways. Somehow the church has turned this into permission-based evangelism. Those of you who are doing this post-modern study, you are aware of the fact that this term is showing up in this study. And that is permission-based evangelism. What it basically means, if I could give you a quick scenario, is going up and knocking on someone's door and doing this. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I'm just here to talk to you about uh, whether you are going to go into eternity And if you've discovered the personal truth that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. See, I have the ability as a human to make you feel guilty. And as long as I can get you on that hook, permission-based evangelism, and reel you in, I can take my pen and I can mark that little box because I had you on the list in my neighborhood to talk to. I don't believe in... Door knocking. I don't believe in permission based evangelism. I believe in presenting the truth and waiting for the living God to say, Today is the day of your salvation. Fall on your face before me. That's how God works. It's not how our world is today in the church. So we have a huge problem. The problem with this kind of stinky thinking is that it violates the mandate given to us in the Word. So here's 1 Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 9 through 13. I wrote you in my letter not to associate. Please stay with me on this. I'm telling you this is the critical turning point of this message. I've received uh, one too many emails on this passage already when the article went out. But please stay with me on this i wrote to you in my letter not to associate with immoral people i did not at all mean with immoral people of this world okay i'll just stop right there what is being said here he's not saying to not go preach the gospel to the immoral, to the immoral people he's not telling, he's not telling you to, just because these people are immoral Stay away, not to Do you understand that if Armando, which he has confessed to me, that he hasn't received Christ yet, I can associate with him and get as close to him as the two of us want, and I have not violated scripture. But soon as he becomes a so-called brother, there is a whole different guideline put in front of us. And if these so-called brothers have got these traces, I'm going to read to you right now that are from this passage. So pastors, if you're listening, look up 1 Corinthians chapter five verses 9 through 13. He went on to say, "I did not at all mean with immoral people of the world or with the covetous swindlers." Or idolaters. For then you would have to go out of the world. You would go, where am I going to live? So if you think I'm preaching extremes that aren't in the Bible. That's why this passage is critical. It's pivotal. You have got to understand. We are commissioned to associate with immoral people. With jealousy. Greed any of the ungodly things that come with their ungodly life because God knows they're going to hell. You understand that? That's not who he's talking about here. He goes on and says this, But actually I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother. This is self-proclaimed Christians that are Christ followers. They're not indwelt believers. These are self-proclaimed Christ followers followers. They can look as goody, goody, two-shoes, sweet, 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 or they can be very vile and ugly. He goes on and says this, you do not associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person, if he suffers with jealousy, idolatry, he's a reviler. A reviler, it comes from the same Greek word, is opinion. It's all about my opinion." They're a revealer, reviler, or a drunkard, or a swindler. Not even eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Stay with me on this. This is going to rock your world. Because the emergent belief of today is you judge nobody. That is not what the scriptures say. For what I have to do with judging outsiders is a question mark. Do you not judge those who are within the church? That is a duh question to Paul. Of course we do. But those who are outside, God judges. Remove the wicked man among you. You know what? That will not fly in today's church. And some of you pastors that are listening to that have got emergent churches, I don't care if you're in the core jungles of Africa or you're sitting on a fancy street in the corner of France. I am telling you today that if you do not remove the wicked man from your presence, that wickedness, that identity, that friendship with that wickedness is going to enter into your life. Then it's going to enter it into your church. And it won't be long when you will be voting homosexuals in as pastors. Yes, yeah, send me the, the hate mail. I'd appreciate it because the scriptures are clear on this. Absolutely clear. Immorality gets to the pulpit because people refuse to understand this passage. So when you hear these comments about don't judge me... And then they go into digging up proof in your life that you too have got sins hanging around? I don't argue that. You see, that isn't what it's about. This is critical, folks. First of all, this passage is not addressing an association with the unsaved, but rather those who say they are saved but are not, or those that are indwelt but don't to live as believers. This requires a judgment call that only Christ can reveal in and through us. Judgment is a nasty word to the emergent world of Christianity. This passage makes it clear that if God's, it's God's job to judge those outside the body of Christ and it is our job to provide proper and biblical judgment to those who are or claim to be inside the body of Christ. There's no other way to read this passage. Well, even the term friendly, with the definitions we're using today, is critical. So not only do you, if you have a friendship with somebody that, you know, they claim to be, a, you know, um, safe taking on their identity, would you not also take on the identity of the body of Christ that you are in fellowship with? Absolutely. So say you know a church is following certain doctrines or going against certain doctrines, just by attending that church you are agreeing with the things that they are a part of. You are taking that on as well. Yeah, I think that's Paul's point. Associating or becoming friends with so-called believers is dangerous, And outright against the guidance of the word, all under the emergent banner of love and acceptance of others. If God loves and accepts all those individuals, why does He send the lion's share to hell? That's a logical connection to me. I'm I'm being honest with you right now, and even when I get emails from some of our listeners who are have been who have written books or have been in the pulpit for many years when they can't make this simple connection. I, I'm telling you, in my human mind, I do not get it. How in the world can you believe all this stuff and then still believe in hell? Still believe that God sends people to hell? You can't. What starts the movement of a cult is to remove the primary doctrines of the Trinity. Either Jesus isn't God, the Holy Spirit can't live inside you, or the Trinity doesn't exist as one, or there's no hell, there's no damnation, there's no consequences for your sins, that's what starts forming a cult. We are about to see very soon how truthful this is what Paul was saying. So few emergent Christians I talk to have the answer to this one. In fact, most say that either hell does not exist or God would never send anyone to hell. Friendship with the world is hostility toward God and those that God is hostile toward do not come into heaven. God's enemy is not his friend. Not really sure how much more he can make this mandate more relevant but God does not bring his enemies into heaven. In fact the stories that I remember is he removed one and kept them out by creating a barrier by using the law that they could never live up to so they would need a savior to live up to the law so they can have the gateway the pathway to salvation he set a very strict environment up to actually be able to get into heaven through Christ's efforts and not our own so the only ones he brings into eternal life for heaven are those that have been redeemed cleansed, purified and made new in and through his son and it is only through the redemptive act that grants us the privilege to embrace his love, acceptance, and friendship. Why is this simple principle so difficult for believers to accept? Well, I'll tell you why. Many believers refuse to align themselves with the truth that Jesus did not come to bring worldly peace in relationships, but rather to separate his chosen bride from the world, grow her in all aspects of himself, in order to bring her into the home he has prepared for her in heaven. People cannot accept this simple principle because the love they have for their significant other is, now stay with me on this, people cannot accept this this simple truth because the love that they have for their significant other is more than that of what they have for their Savior Jesus Christ. The truest test of true salvation is who is more important your daddy or your Savior your friend or your Savior and people take this test so lightly it's almost nauseating here's our identity matter statement for today in saying all this should we not be friendly toward others God forbid we are mandated by our Lord to release the spirit from within from within us to give his fruit to all, saved or not. And we should always use kindness to lead others to repentance so that they too can have all the love, acceptance that they need, but know this. They can only have this once they are placed in Christ. If each of the children of God born again Release the Spirit's outpouring of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control onto others. The receiver should want exactly what that person has. And ask the question. As Armando and I in our phone conversation, he says, I see the indwelling life of Christ in my brother. He's maintaining the indwelling life of Christ. He, he was bearing witness of Christ inside his brother. And his conclusion was to me on that day, he said, I want that. Well, I didn't move on, I want that, and move him and lead him into some prayer right on the phone. I said, okay, here's what I want you to do. You see, people in misery moments will want something that it is not their hour to receive it. It is our responsibility as leaders within the church to carefully handle that person to make sure this is not just a moment for them because they're desperate versus a lifestyle they want. Okay? Permanence versus temporary change. The Word of God will change anyone's life. Except for Satan. It will. Temporarily. You can live off someone else's Christianity and have a fairly good life. Temporarily. But if you don't have it yourself, it's all short term. Thank you, online listeners, for listening today. We're going to turn the podcast off so that we can go to our local questioning and answering. But if you do have a question that needs an answer, I would certainly be willing to dialogue with you through the scriptures to come up with an answer for you. Please log on to the website address that's coming up next.